This is Bigger Pockets Daily, and it's Friday. I'm Tyler, and the article I'm about to share comes from the Bigger Pockets blog. You can find a wealth of information on the site, or by searching Bigger Pockets in any podcast app. Maybe that's how you found this show. So let's get to it. Okay, almost time for the show. We'll get right into it after this quick break. This show is sponsored by Airbnb. Did you know that a long time ago, before I ever started my real estate business, I turned one of my first primary residences into an Airbnb? And that's the extra income that I needed from Airbnb that gave me the confidence to go out and work for myself and eventually quit my nine to five job. And now I have dozens of Airbnbs all over the country. I've even partnered up with the old David Green on a recent property in Scottsdale to take our portfolio to the next level. And of course, we host it on Airbnb. But you don't need to be a full-time real estate investor to start on Airbnb. As a matter of fact, I was self-managing 10 properties while working my 9-to-5 job, so I know anybody can do it. Think about it this way. You're looking for extra income and going on a vacation. Wouldn't it be great to rent out your space and let your property pay for itself while you're gone? I did this one time. I pitched my wife and my roommate because we were house hacking on the idea of renting out our home, and it paid for all of our expenses on a trip to Mexico City. So go and give it a try. It might just change your life just like it did mine. And I really do mean that. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. You're trying to close on your next rental, so why is your insurance company dragging its feet? With long lead times and never-ending paper forms, it's no wonder it takes forever to finally get a policy. Modern investors deserve better. They deserve Steadily.com. At Steadily.com, you'll get fast, affordable landlord insurance available online 24-7 in just a few clicks. You can even get next-day coverage, which takes just minutes, by the way, to obtain. And you can do it all from your phone. Steadily was founded by landlords who created insurance products tailored to the unique needs of this industry. It's their sole focus, and that's why landlords nationwide consistently rate them 4.8 out of 5 stars. So whether you've got a single-family, short-term, or multifamily portfolio, Steadily.com can secure the best coverage at the best price to protect your properties. Discover how Steadily can save you both time and money on your rental property insurance. Visit Steadily.com for a commitment-free quote tailored to your needs today. Austin and 30 other markets are at risk of price declines. Did your market make the list? By Dave Meyer. As rising interest rates and declining affordability have lowered housing market demand, a correction, a modest decline in housing prices, has been looming for months. On a national scale, housing prices are still up almost 11% year-over-year, but other indicators point to a housing market that is starting to correct. In today's podcast, I will dive into several methods for measuring housing market health, identifying metrics to watch, and label specific markets that are at the highest risk of seeing price declines in the coming months. Market data. When looking at the health of the housing market, we could examine many data sets and methodologies. For the purposes of this podcast, I am going to look at three data sets. Year-over-year, YOY data, what happened in July 2022 compared to July 2021, month-over-month, MOM data, M-O-M, what happened in July 2022 compared to June 2022, inventory, how many properties are actively listed for sale at any given point in time. These provide a good balance of long-term trends, short-term changes, and forward-looking data. Year-over-year data. 
In normal times, YOY data is the best way to measure growth in housing prices because, one, housing data is seasonal, and two, it measures long-term trends. Housing prices follow a similar pattern every year. They peak in the summer and decline over the winter, meaning that comparing January's data to June's is not helpful. Clearly, when looking at median home price between 2014 and 19, housing prices were consistently trending upward, even though every year housing prices fell from May to February. If we were to look at prices from May 2016 to January 2017, it would show falling prices, even though the market was trending upwards. Again, this is why we look at YOY data, because what happened between July 2022 and July 2021 shows the long-term trends. And as we just mentioned, YOY prices on a national level are still plus 11%. Of the top 250 markets in the U.S., zero have seen YOY price declines. Not one. Having the median home price increase 11% YOY is a massive number in historical contexts, but does represent a significant cooling from the absurd growth rates we saw in 2020 and 2021. For context, during the Great Recession, housing prices fell YOY for several years in a row, with prices falling more than 10% YOY in 2009. So, in today's market, the growth rate of housing prices in the U.S. is returning to normal, but it is still well above historical norms. And although prices are still up YOY, we can learn something from how YOY data is trending. In some of the country's hottest markets, YOY growth has fallen very fast with Austin, Texas, leading the way. Austin grew at about 45% YOY last year and is now down to about 11%. It's still growing on a YOY basis, but to me, the rapid rate of deceleration represents risk to the Austin housing market. Austin is seeing its rate of growth fall faster than any other market. Other markets that are seeing similar patterns are Seattle, Sacramento, Phoenix, San Jose, Boise, and San Diego, to name a few. Checking out the rate of change in YOY growth rates is a helpful thing you can do to better understand your market. Month-over-month data. So as I said a little bit earlier, during a stable housing market, I personally believe YOY data to be the most important and don't spend too much time on MOM data. But during markets in transition, like the one we're in currently, looking at MOM data can be helpful. When examining the top 250 markets, the vast majority are still seeing increases, but 31 of them did see declines. San Jose, California saw the steepest drop at minus 2.7%, but the average among the 31 markets in decline was modest at just minus 0.64% MOM. So we do have a list of the 31 markets within the top 250 that saw declines. You can see that list at biggerpockets.com right inside this article. On the other hand, some markets have kept growing. For example, Miami grew 2.35% MOM. And as I've said for months, I believe the most likely scenario over the coming months is that some markets will keep growing and some will decline. So far, that does seem to be the case. When looking at MOM data, remember, this is just a single month, and thus, doesn't make it a trend. 
Prices do tend to peak in early summer and start to come down, and it's far too early to know if this means you'll see YOY declines in any of these markets, or more, in the coming months. This is one short-term data point that needs to be considered alongside other data. Now let's move on to inventory. The two data sets we've looked at so far, year over year and month over month, are both backward-looking. Helpful, of course, but many of us want to know what might happen next. To that, we need to turn to a data set that tends to predict the future performance of housing prices. Inventory. Inventory measures how many houses are for sale at any given time and is a good measure of the relationship between supply and demand. When inventory is low, it's a seller's market and prices tend to rise. When inventory is high, it's a buyer's market and prices tend to be flat or even decline. Inventory is extremely low in a historical context. Normally, we'd expect well over 1.5 million listings, but we're still below 1 million. This is important because, as I've written about extensively before on BiggerPockets.com, if housing prices are going to come down, inventory needs to at least approach historical levels. Clearly, That's not happening on a national level yet, but the trend seems to be heading in that direction. For most of the pandemic, inventory was falling consistently, but now we're seeing it rise rapidly on a year-over-year basis. Again, we're still far from normal, but inventory is trending upward. This is a key metric to watch to understand the direction of the housing market in the coming months on both a national and regional level. Notably, some markets are seeing inventory levels recover to pre-pandemic levels. This indicates that those markets are at a high risk of seeing YOY price declines, which again, we haven't yet seen in any markets, in the coming months or years. Recently, San Francisco became the first market to officially return to pre-pandemic levels. San Jose is right behind and just 1% below pre-pandemic levels, with Las Vegas, Phoenix, and Austin heading that way as well. To me, if you want to know what will happen in your housing market in the coming months, check out inventory and days on market. If they start approaching pre-pandemic levels, the risk of price declines on a YOY basis rises significantly. Okay, so what does this all mean? Of course, we don't know which markets will decline, but hopefully the data we talked about today helps you understand what is happening. To provide more context, we can look at forecasts created by Moody's Analytics, which predict price growth between now and the end of 2023. According to Moody's, three cities in Florida are poised for the greatest declines, the villages, Punta Gorda, and Cape Coral. Of those, Moody's predicts the villages to decline by 13%. That's a big number. But remember, that's for the riskiest city. Remember, in the Great Recession, prices fell 20% nationally. Moody's also predicts relatively large drops in Reno at right around 8%, Austin, minus 7%, San Diego, minus 6.5%, and Boise, minus 6%. On the other hand, Moody's forecast suggests that some cities will grow. On top of that list is Albany, Georgia, plus 10%, Casper, Wyoming, plus 8%, New Bern, North Carolina, plus 7.5%, Augusta, Georgia, plus 7%, and Hartford, Connecticut, also plus 7%. So when I look at all of this data in aggregate, 
I believe the main takeaways to be this. Number one, I still believe the most likely scenario is that some markets decline in the coming year or so while others continue to grow just more modestly than over the last few years. And two, even though some markets are showing weakness, I still don't believe a crash is likely. And on a national level, price declines of over 10% are really not looking very likely to me. And three, markets that are at the highest risk seem to be on the western half of the country, saw massive appreciation over the last two years, have increasing inventory and days on market, were big migration hotspots during the pandemic, have the lowest affordability. And the markets that continue to show up and to me carry the greatest risks are these. Austin, Texas, Boise, Idaho, Phoenix, Arizona, Las Vegas, Nevada, Reno, Nevada, Fort Myers, Florida, Denver, Colorado, Salt Lake City, Provo, Utah, and Spokane, and Seattle, Washington. On the other hand, cities that continue to show strength are Hartford, Connecticut, Baton Rouge, Louisiana, Virginia Beach, Virginia, Chicago, Illinois, Albany, New York, Honolulu, Hawaii, Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. So, as you navigate the transitioning market, keep these things in mind you're probably going to see a lot of sensationalist headlines in the coming months, but you should keep track of this data for yourself. You can do so on various websites like Redfin and Realtor.com. And of course, I'll keep on publishing my research and articles like this on the Bigger Pockets blog regularly, and they'll probably show up a time or two on the BP Daily Podcast. Thanks for listening to this show, and enjoy your weekend. Me? I'll be back here with another show tomorrow. I can't remember the last time I took a day off.